Now, while they're bringing me my podium, let me ask you a question. How many of you in here have ever been offended? The rest of you, you're lying in church. Let me ask that again. How many of you have ever been offended? Somebody hurts your feelings, you got mad, you got a grudge. How many in here ever carried a grudge? How many are carrying one right now? No, I don't want to ask that because I'm going to deal with that. But now, this week, you know, I have a little uh, webpage, uh, a Life Talk webpage. And it is where I do my, um, well, of course, that's the name of the radio show. And I do little blogs and postings there. And, and uh, this week I did one. And I just talked about hanging on to grudges and how that can really take you down. And I really didn't think it would get very many hits. Because I thought, well, you know, it's kind of dealing with a serious subject. And it's not political or anything that's going to pull triggers. So I didn't think it would get very many. But in a couple of days, I had 6,000 hits. 6,000 reads. So 6,000 people read it, and it's still climbing. So I had been praying about what to share today on New Year's Eve Sunday, and I really felt like the Lord wanted me to deal with that very subject. Here's why. We are a church moving forward to do damage to the kingdom of the devil. I really want to. And when you win souls, Satan loses souls. When you take the gospel out and you, and you live out your life in Jesus Christ, you always, you're salt and you're light and you're pushing back against the works of darkness. So in order to do that, we must be careful of landmines. Spiritual landmines that the enemy puts under the ground that hoping that we as believers will trip over them. And one of the main ones is the landmine of offense. And so I'm going to call this today, Lay Down Those Grudges. And let's look at 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10. Now, quickly, the background is this. In 1 Corinthians there was a man in the church who had been involved in sexual sin. And so he did not repent. He was unrepentant. So Paul advised, or really actually commanded, the church elders to excommunicate him until he repented and then receive him back. God never kicks you out for good. Amen? And then receive him back. So in 2 Corinthians, he has repented and they are receiving him back. So the man that Paul is talking about is that man that has repented. So look what it says in verse 10. When you forgive this man, I forgive him. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. Now look at verse 11 and read it out loud with me. Everybody, read this now. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. What is the scheme the scheme is to keep you in unforgiveness. The scheme is where you're not a forgiver. Satan seeks to lead God's people, to influence God's people, to hold grudges, to refuse to forgive, to walk in unforgiveness. And Paul calls that Satan's evil scheme. And he said, we're not ignorant of that. We're not going to let him outsmart us. We're going to be forgivers. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you right now. For the blessing of God and the power of God on the word of God. And we pray, Lord, that you will touch this message. And I pray that, Lord, you will minister to the people of God who have gathered here today, who have come in this ice and this inclement weather, Lord, because they're hungry for the word of God. So feed us, Lord. Feed us the word of God. Now, would you pray with me, church, and say, Lord, speak to me. And I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God's going to set you free today. There's a healer in the house today. 
Amen. Now, if you were to ask me after several decades of pastoring God's people, Pastor Jeff, what is the trap the people of God fall into most easily and most often? I would say the trap of offense. Without even having to think about it, I would say the trap of offense. Now, in saying that, I'm not pointing a finger. I'm not judging because I, as well, can easily fall into that trap, the trap of offense. We could call it a landmine. Now, we've all seen movies, army movies, warfare movies, where when an army knew that there were landmines under the ground, they would send somebody who knew how to defuse the landmine so that it was no longer able to blow up under your feet. So what I want to be sharing with you today is how to defuse the landmine of unforgiveness, how to defuse it so that it can't blow up under you. Because offenses can bring great damage, as we're going to see in just a moment. The Bible teaches that if we don't forgive, something happens to us. Somebody says something, somebody does something, it hurts us, it angers us, we feel betrayed, we feel wronged, we feel done dirty. And so what we do is, we have two choices. We can either forgive it and know how to defuse that offense, or we, we don't defuse it and it becomes a root of bitterness. It's going to do one of two things. You're going to eat, you're going to either deal with it by forgiveness or the landmine of unforgiveness is going to blow up under your feet and it's going to bring damage. The Bible says it ultimately springs up to defile innocent bystanders, an unhandled offense, who become negatively affected by our bitter attitude and talk. And it poisons our walk with God. Unforgiveness, a grudge, carrying around a grudge, will poison our walk with God. We'll lose the desire to pray. We'll lose the desire to get into the Word of God. We'll lose the desire to go to church. As I'm going to show you in a minute, that grudge becomes bitterness that becomes a root that springs up and it affects many other people. So I want to talk about forgiveness as the brand new year of 2018 is, is staring us in the face. In just a few hours, can you believe we're going to be in 2018? Seems like just yesterday, I was standing up here saying, can you believe that in a few hours, it's going to be 2017? We're there. Have you noticed the older you get, the faster time goes? Boy, I got some good amens on that one. Maybe it's because we can't remember anything anymore. So we want to enter 2018 prepared to win the battle and see God do some great things. How many of you want to see God do great things in 2018? Really great things in 2018. I want to tell you the truth. I have an anticipation and an expectation. I am pregnant with expectation that God is going to do something powerful in the year of 2018. I have a sense about it. And that's why I want to be sure that, that, that uh, this landmine can, cannot blow up under us. And I don't know who this is for. I think it's for everybody generally, but it might be just for you specifically. The Bible teaches that the heaviest load you can carry is a pack of grudges. Walking in unforgiveness is like trying to drive a car with a brake, uh, the, the, the emergency brake on. Have you ever tried doing that? Have you ever gotten into your car and put it in reverse and it wouldn't go? You say, what is wrong with this car? And you look and the emergency brake is on. See, when you walk in unforgiveness, it's like trying to drive a car with the emergency brake on. You won't go. You can't go forward. You can't grow. It stops all forward movement. 
That's, that's why Jesus was so, so earnest and consistent in talking about forgiveness because he knew what unforgiveness could do. I learned long ago, even though it's never easy to forgive, never is it easy. Forgiveness is not just for the other person, but it's for myself. I want to be free. How many of you want to be free? I want to travel light. I don't want to carry a big pack of grudges on my back. I want to travel light. I want to be free. I want to enjoy life. I want to be happy. Anybody in here want to be happy? I'm going to tell you, I've never known a happy unforgiver. But I've known a lot of happy people who walk in forgiveness because forgiveness sets you free. Here's a fact of life. Without forgiveness, Satan is going to see to it that our lives are governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. What a waste. If you stop and think about it the way you were before you were saved, or people you might know right now who are not saved, have you noticed that life revolves around being offended and retaliating? Being offended and retaliating. Being offended and retaliating. So-and-so did this. So-and-so said that. They did me dirty. They did me wrong. And you get with people who are not saved and walking with Jesus, and a lot of the conversation always revolves around what somebody did bad to them. Because Jesus came to set us free. He taught us forgiveness. So we've got to unload, folks. We've got to unload grudges. We've got to unload bitterness. And we've got to unload hateful thoughts at all costs. So I want to give you four simple ways when you get offended to swoop in and, and defuse that landmine. So here they are. First, forgive quickly. Can you say with me, forgive quickly? If you're going to be a forgiver, if you're going to walk free from grudges and unforgiveness and bitterness, you've got to learn to forgive quickly. Never give an offense longer than a 24-hour shelf life. Can I say that again? Never give an offense longer than a 24-hour shelf life. We've got to learn to forgive quickly before the offense like cement has a chance to harden in your heart because that's what offenses do. When you leave an offense alone and you don't forgive, and I don't forgive, when we do that, somebody hurts us. Boy, we're mad. How could they have done that to me? How could they have said that about me? How could they have betrayed me like that? How could they have walked out on me like that? How could they have done me dirty like that? And you're hurting, and you're angry, and you feel rejection, and you feel that flood of negative emotions that offenses always bring if we don't forgive quickly, it begins to harden like cement in our hearts. Matter of fact, an offense that is not forgiven quickly. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun set on your wrath. Learn to forgive quickly. Because if we don't, it's going to go through a very familiar pattern. Let me show you the pattern. An offense unforgiven will go through this pattern every time. First, you will rehearse it. Without forgiveness, your mind is continuously going to hit the replay button of how the offense went down. Who said what? Who did what? How they did you? The whole scene, the way it all happened, that replay button is going to hit in your mind over and over again. You get up in the morning and, and the devil hits that replay button and you think about what they said and what they did and how you were wronged. 
And then you go through the day, you're driving down the highway, you get stuck in rush hour traffic, and, and here comes the enemy. The enemy hits that replay button, and you're thinking about them again. And then when you go to bed at night, you're trying to go to sleep, but you can't because that replay button has been hit, and you're thinking and churning and meditating on and pondering the way you were wronged. Am I talking to anybody here today? You know I'm right. I'm going to get this CD. I need to hear this myself. We need to hear this all the time because, listen, this is the way an offense is triggered. This is the way it blows up. It begins to eat away. You rehearse it. Without forgiveness, your mind is going to continually replay it. But then you go to another level, the next step. Once you're rehearsing it, you're going to nurse it. And let me tell you what I mean by nursing it. The offense becomes like a child that you are taking care of. You feed it. You hold it. You coddle it. You nourish it. They hurt me. I'm offended. Have you noticed that we're in a culture that is perpetually, chronically offended? About something at all times? See, our culture rejected God and rejected the Bible and rejected the teachings of Jesus. So now our culture is trapped in an endless cycle of offended over everything. And so you nurse it. They, they hurt me. And you feed it. You've got a right to be offended because you're right and they were wrong. And you've got a right to be offended. You've got a right to nurse this and to rehearse this. Because after all, you were done wrong. And you nurse it. And you feed it. And you nourish it. Poor baby. And this offense is growing inside of you. The, the offense soon becomes the most important thing in your life. The offense becomes bigger than Jesus in your life, bigger than other things in your life. The offense becomes number one. The offense sits on the throne of your life, the center of your attention. Rather than Christ and his purpose for you, you become all about that offense. We don't have to get with you for five minutes to hear about it. People soon come to know you as the person who was offended by this, that, or the other. Oh, here they come, Mr. Offended. Here they come, misoffended. Uh-oh, here they come. We're going to hear about it all over again. And you know what? If you're not careful, if you don't deal with that offense, that offense begins to define you. The offense defines you. You become defined by the offense, shaped by the offense, molded by the offense. Because now that offense has taken first place in your life because you did not forgive. When you forgive, the offense goes away. The offense is defeated. The offense is defused. But if you don't forgive... It grows like a creature, like a beast on the inside of you. That's why when I get offended, I see it like a rattlesnake in my living room. I am not going to ignore a rattlesnake in my living room. I'm not going to try to live with a rattlesnake in my living room. I'm not going to try to feed a rattlesnake in my living room. I'm going to kill a rattlesnake in my living room. You've got to deal with an offense. You've got to look at it like a mortal enemy because that thing will grow inside of you. You're nursing it. You're feeding it. You're holding it. You're coddling it. You're nourishing it. You're defined by it now. When you get up, you're thinking about the offense, not Jesus. When you go through your day, you're thinking about the offense, not Jesus. When you lay down at night, you're thinking about that offense, feeding that offense, nourishing that offense, justifying, keeping that offense, not Jesus. So you rehearse it, and then you nurse it, and now this thing is blowing up under you. 
You rehearse it, you nurse it, and then inevitably, invariably, you will disperse it. You will disperse it. The Bible tells me you will. You can't keep an offense to yourself. You've got to unload it on others because, after all, you're offended and somebody did you wrong. And, and when you're offended and, and you're rehearsing it and you're nursing it, it's not going to stay inside of you. Listen to what the Bible says. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble. Now notice it says it's down here and then it springs up. And what does it do when it springs up? It says hurting many in their spiritual lives. Hebrews 12, 15. It hurts many in their spiritual lives. Why? Because whoever is in your orbit, whoever is in your life, the, the ones you love, the ones you're closest to, your friends, your family, your church members, whatever, when you're offended, if you don't deal with it and you're rehearsing and you're nursing it, now you've got to, you're going to disperse it. You're going to tell them what happened to you. You're, you're, going to, you're going to dump on them. You're going to unload on them. You can't help it. Because it's there. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Didn't he say that? Another version puts it like this. Be careful that no one becomes like a bitter weed growing among you. Somebody like that can ruin your whole group. Ruin your whole group. Notice. First you're poisoned. Now you're poisoning others. And it ruins the whole group. It ruins the whole workplace. It ruins the whole home. It ruins the whole church. A, 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 an offense... An offense where, where forgiveness was not practiced quickly will spring up and it will defile many and, and it spreads like a cancer, it spreads like a poison and that's why Jesus said, listen, you better deal with it and deal with it quickly because you don't want this kind of thing happening because it brings division and division takes the anointing away. I want every square inch of anointing I can get. I want to flow in the anointing. I want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm full of unforgiveness, I can't. That emergency brake is on. Y'all are a quiet bunch today. By far, the better way is to forgive before the offense takes root so that you can stay free and happy. Amen? So we will... Rehearse it if we don't forgive, and then we will nurse it, and then we will disperse it, and other people get, begin to get affected, and the body of Christ begins to be poisoned, and so we got to forgive. Now, there's a second way we walk a life of forgiveness out. Not only forgive quickly, but forgive often. Forgive often. Forgive as often as the offense seeks to resurface. Let me tell you a way an offense will do. An offense you have forgiven. You say, I, well, I've forgiven them. But if you notice, that they'll often try to resurface, like a vulture circling. You've seen vultures circling in the, in the sky. They're looking for something dying on the ground, and then they're going to land on it. Listen, an offense will circle in the theater of your mind after you have forgiven, and, and, and that vulture of offense will try to land again on your soul. And I have found that when I've deeply been offended, when I've been offended by somebody, I typically have to forgive many times because the enemy will challenge my decision to forgive. The enemy will say, oh, you're going to forgive? Well, I'm going I'm to try to inject the memory of it into your mind again and get you stewed up again and get you worked up over it again. I'm going to try to resurface that offense. So I found, not only do I have to forgive quickly, but I've got to forgive often. You say, well, Jeff, how often? As often as it takes. 
One day Peter said to Jesus, <clears throat> apparently he had had a scuffle with one of the other disciples. He said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? You can almost hear it. Lord, they are wearing me down. Should I forgive as many as seven times? And Peter thought that was a lot. And Jesus gave a surprising answer. He said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. For those of you good at math, that's 490 times. Now, I have been offended a lot of times, but I can't remember a day where I had to forgive 490 times. Jesus is using an exaggeration to make a point. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you forgive as often as you need to, to stay free. We're to forgive as much as we need to forgive. I don't believe it's a bad idea to start every day with a question before God. Lord, who do I need to forgive today? And if he puts anybody in your mind, forgive them right then and there. Get it out of your system because it's poison to the soul. We need to forgive. So no matter how many times I do it, I can remember a few offenses that I've had in my life where even years later, after I have forgiven them, I'd be driving down the road or just walking around the house or something, and the memory will pop into my mind, and the devil tries to resurface it. And I have to say again, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. And I've got to do it again. So stay with me. Forgive quickly. And forgive often. And then a third thing about forgiveness we've got to understand is forgive. We forgive by choice. We forgive by choice. You will never be a quick forgiver unless you learn to forgive by choice. I don't know about you, but when I've been offended, the last thing I'm feeling is some overwhelming desire to forgive the person who offended me. Uh-uh. I'm wanting the power to turn them into a pile of ashes. Come on, everybody. Don't look at me so holy. The disciples felt the same thing. The people of one town didn't receive Jesus. They said, Lord, do we call fire out of heaven to devour them? So I'm right there with them. We want to see them get theirs. We don't want to forgive. So here's the deal. The liberating truth is that we can forgive without waiting for the feeling to forgive. Obedience doesn't require a feeling that may never come. Can I say that again? Obedience doesn't require a feeling that may never come. Let your tongue do the walking and feelings will follow. I'm going to say that again. Let your tongue do the walking and feelings will follow. James tells us this. Let me read to you what James said about the power of your tongue. If we could control our tongues, he says in James 3 verse 2, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Wow. Listen to this, church. The key to self-control is in between your two sets of teeth. Isn't that what he just said? This isn't Jeff's Bible. I'm reading the Bible. 
We could control ourselves in every other way. And then he gives two illustrations that are powerful. He said, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. We've all, if you've ridden horseback, you know, you put a bit in that horse's mouth and reins are attached to the bit. And, of course, the rider is holding the reins. You've got this powerful creature underneath you. And yet, when you want to go left, you just pull the reins. And that bit in that horse's mouth pulls and that horse goes the way the bit tells it to. You're moving a powerful thing with something small. Verse 4, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Catch this. Even though there are storms, mighty winds blowing against a ship, the winds don't decide where that ship goes. The storm doesn't decide where that ship goes. Some of you are in a storm right now. That storm is not going to decide where you go. If you understand that, that it's the rudder, the tongue, the rudder under the water, your tongue. The rudder is turned by the captain of the ship, and the ship goes where the rudder tells it to, not where the storm is trying to make it go. Wow. So you know what we're being told here? That the tongue is the control center of life. The tongue is the control center of life. Listen, if you t say to somebody, I hate you, do you know that you will notice when you say I hate you that the hatred grows when you say it? When you say I love you, uh, you will find that the love grows behind your words. In other words, emotions follow choice. We are not to be emotion-driven. We are to be choice-driven, word-driven, faith-driven, not emotion-driven. Our culture has put a premium on emotions. If you feel it, it's got to be true. If you feel it, what, how do you know that's true? Because I feel it. I feel it. And, and, and we say, so, so we say, well, if you feel it, then it's true for you. I mean, that's your truth. I hate that statement. That's your truth. No, 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 no. There, there's really one truth that prevails in the universe, and that's God's truth. And, and that's his truth. So here's his truth. That, that here you are in a storm of offense and you're feeling anger and you're feeling rejection and you're feeling hurt and those winds, those storms are, are blowing against your house and, and, and you are being overwhelmed with those emotions. Listen, James is telling us the storm doesn't have to decide where you end up. It is the tongue that will decide where you end up. If you can get a hold of your tongue, you can get a hold of your life in every other way. So forgiveness begins not with a feeling to forgive, but with the choice to say with your mouth, I forgive them. You can do it. It may begin like this. I've been there. I've Sometimes it's so hard to get out. You say, well, Jeff, they don't deserve it. No, they don't deserve it, but you don't deserve God's forgiveness either. And you do deserve to be free. If Jesus is your Savior, you deserve to be free. So it's not, if, if, don't do it for them, do it for you. So you say, I forgive them. First time's the hardest. Second time's not quite so hard. I forgive them. I forgive them. 
There have been offenses I experienced, and I'm telling you, I said I forgive them many times in one day. But I will not leave a rattlesnake in my living room. Are you hearing me today? Because it'll consume your life. It'll define your life. It'll shape your life. And we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, not the workmanship of an offense. James says, though winds are strong, even though the harsh winds of anger, hurt, and rejection are blowing, when you say, I forgive, you're turning the ship. You're turning the ship in God's direction, and you're refusing to let an offense blow up under you. I'm going to give you one final statement about forgiveness before I move to the next point. Forgiveness is not an emotion that overtakes us, but it's a choice based on the authority of Scripture with the help of God's grace, period. So don't say to me, I can't forgive. What you're saying is, I won't forgive. You can forgive. You can say it. Say it. Everybody say, say it. There goes that ship. Going God's direction. So say with me, we should forgive quickly, forgive often, and forgive by choice. And then finally, we need to forgive reciprocally. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We need to forgive remembering that you too have offended both God and man. And whether or not man forgave you, God did. Right on the heels of Jesus telling Peter, you need to forgive 490 times in one day. Jesus told a parable of a servant who went to his master owing him a large debt. He tells this in Matthew 18. He owed his master a huge sum of money. And in the parable, the servant begs for mercy. Oh, forgive me, master. I know I owe you a huge sum that I can probably never pay back. But please have mercy on me. And in the parable, he cancels. The master cancels. He doesn't just give him more time to pay it. He says, I'm canceling, wiping out your debt. I'm totally absolving you of all debt. You're a free man. Go and be free. Of course, the picture there is God forgiving us of our sin. Then that same forgiven servant went and found one of his own servants who owed him a much smaller sum. And rather than forgive him when the servant asked him for mercy, he took him and threw him into debtor's prison. And when the master who had forgiven him the huge sum heard about it, he called him back to himself, chastised him for his lack of mercy, and then had him thrown into debtor's prison till he paid every cent back. And then Jesus said, listen to these somber words. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's how forgiveness is reciprocal because he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed somebody to wash my sin away. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. So on the cross, Jesus took my huge, unpayable sin debt on himself. And he was judged for it, blamed for it. Temporarily on the cross, the presence of God was cut off from him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus took on himself the iniquity of us all. And God forgave us the huge, unpayable sin debt. 
So no matter what you do to me, you can never do to me what we did to God. Can't do it. This is why Paul says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Can we stand together today? And I want you to say with me, the keys to forgiveness are forgive quickly, forgive often, forgive by choice, and forgive reciprocally. In 2018, I pray that that landmine is totally defused. That's not anything that's going to find its way into our church, into your life, or in your workplace, or into your home, between you and a spouse, or you and your children. Uh Uh-uh. I pray that landmine is defused and we walk free. Can we lift our hands to the Lord today? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving us the huge mountain of sin debt that we could never have paid back. Never, never, never. If we lived to be a million, we could never have paid it back. And Lord, so having forgiven us, we choose to forgive quickly those who offend us. That no root of bitterness grows down into our soul to poison us and then to spring up and out to poison others. That we would be free indeed. Now I want you to take a moment here in the presence of God. And, you know, ask, Lord, is there anybody I need to forgive? Is there anybody who has offended me that I'm carrying a grudge? I'm holding something against them. I haven't let them go. I've thrown them, in essence, into debtor's prison. I've tried to weaponize others against them, turn others against them. Can we just say today, Lord, I forgive them. Just choose to say it. I forgive them. I forgive them. So as we sing right now, God is so good. Simple little song that we sing often. God is so good because he is so good. As we sing it, if you need to forgive, can you just do it right where you stand? Do it. Start the new year not carrying the pack of grudges any longer. Leave that pack in this church. We'll throw it away for you. Okay? So let's sing it. God is so good. And God God is so sets me free. Sing it now. And he sets me
set you free today. If you needed this today, raise your hand and say, I needed it. I needed it. I, yes, look at all. Most of us. Listen, folks, nobody is worth your walk with God. Nobody. So, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for hearing us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Truly. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I pray you go into the new year free indeed. Amen.